this is Jeff Cooper, and we welcome you to another Disney at Play podcast. Well, Disney Cruise Line made major announcements regarding its newest ship, the Disney Wish, to include even when reservations are opening. We will look at signature features of this new ship, the first of the Triton class of three ships to be built. We'll look at the top deck with all its pools and new water features. We'll check out all the hangouts for the kids. We'll overview entertainment and look at different staterooms being offered. And finally, we'll check out the cuisine being, being provided. This is not just a remodeled ship like the dream and fantasy. While the exterior follows the familiar design of the previous two, major changes have been made throughout the ship in where all of its features are going. Plus a heavy dose of Disney magic attends to all of it. We'll look not only at the ship from stem to stern, but also discuss when Disney is opening up reservations and discuss the progress of reopening the entire fleet. It's a big Disney play uh, podcast, and please join us as we explore all of it. By the way, make sure you take a look at disneyatplay.com where we have charts, photos, videos, so, so many things laid out there to be able to kind of see everything that we are studying and looking at. Now, to understand how this ship has come to be, you have to see how it has evolved with the four ships previous to it. Now, I'm assuming that many of the people who are listening to this podcast have perhaps been on a Disney cruise before, but for everyone's context, remember that in 1988, the Disney Magic came out. It was the, the first two ships, the Disney Magic and Disney Wonder, were the smaller ships. They were, they were the first ones to kind of test everything out, so to speak. Um, and they came out at a length of about um, well, about 984, 964 feet um, with uh, 2,713 passengers. When the Disney Dream and then subsequently the Disney Fantasy came out in 2011 and then 2012, that number went straight to 4,000 attending, plus um, a crew of nearly about 1,500 now, this made the ship much, much larger in size. And if you've seen um, both of them laid, uh, both the Fantasy and Dream next to the Wonder and Magic, you see the difference in sizes between the two. The Disney Wish has the same number of passengers intended for it, 4,000. Its length is actually only four feet longer, 1,119 to 1,115. Um, the cabin number is the same and the crew number is the same. And, um, and the tonnage is actually about 16,000 tons more than the 130,000 tons of the Disney Fantasy uh, and Dream. However, so from the outside, it's pretty parallel to what you have seen with the Disney Dream and Fantasy. But getting on the inside, you see that a lot of changes and a lot of things have been kind of moved around. I think one of the biggest overlay differences is what they refer to as the theme of enchantment. According to Laura Cava, Portfolio Creative Executive for Walt Disney Imagineering, Enchantment is about unlocking the wonder in everything we do and experience. For the Disney Wish, we are creating a signature design language that exudes this emotional magic that only Disney can by infusing every inch of this enchanted ship with more Disney stories and characters than ever before. The Disney Wish will be a place where families really do get to wish upon a star. Now the image, again, we show these in, in our Disney at Play podcast. The image of the Grand Hall with Cinderella is probably the most um, 
the best example of this theme of enchantment. I personally like, by the way, they call it the Grand Hall. They don't call it the Atrium, which we have traditionally called it before. Um, they call it the Grand Hall. And I really like the four other ships because I like the wood and the brass and that kind of nautical look and theme to it. Mind you, they had Art Deco or other kinds of styles infused with it, but it was very much more of a masculine tone. Here you have a much more feminine style to this um, entrance. The grand staircase doesn't go up to, uh, well, the grand staircase begins on the bottom, which is still the fourth floor of the ship. It doesn't go up to the fifth floor. It actually weaves all the way up to the sixth floor. At the base of the grand staircase is a statue. It is Cinderella, as we mentioned in previous podcasts. Um, and the whole room is very light, very ethereal. There's a sense of pastels in it, but it's largely white on white with a lot of gold trim. There are columns that suggest kind of these magical trees um, that kind of spread out. And the chandelier, as, as described, the chandelier is based on the moment in the film where Cinderella receives her dress from the fairy godmother. Imagine the skirt of Cinderella, only it's been turned upside down and it then hangs and then there is this circle of of uh of magic around this gold um chandelier um it's it, it, if you it it looks beautiful and unique in and of itself more like an egg almost but if you understand that it's actually the base of cinderella's dress turned upside down then you get a real sense for what why it has the look and feel it does um this is intended to look like you are in a castle now mind you most of the castles you go to um when you go into the interior tend to be very medieval in design shanghai was a departure on that and took out several themes especially in the dining rooms which represented Snow White and Sleeping Beauty and Mulan and so forth. Um, so it isn't necessarily a traditional Disney castle um, you would see. But um, the other thing you should notice in this image is that there is no pedestal of stairs. Usually you go up three stairs and then enter into the most formal of all the dining rooms. There are entrances to the dining room, but they are flanked on the sides, it appears. Um, it really isn't quite in the center, but we're going to talk about why that's so and what does that look like. Every one of those dining rooms have traditionally been, uh, ha had a princess related theme. Um, that is not the case here. It is a very different theme. Uh, and we'll talk about that now. Also, a, a big part of this and in the reveal video, they showcased a number of women, which really, again, we're gonna talk about inclusion at Disney in a very upcoming, well, actually in a series of upcoming podcasts very soon. But um, it's really, it was very impressive to see um, women, women of color, even a couple, a man and woman who are a married couple, I, I assume, I shouldn't make that assumption, actually, now I think about it. They have the both same unusual last name, but they could be brothers and sisters, for all I know. Um, they didn't introduce them as a couple, but notwithstanding, um, you have, um, there's kind of an effort here to really show um, uh, women at the helm here. And nowhere is this more made um, clear than Minnie Mouse who has been elevated from a design that was more like um, um, uh, a cruise director to a captain's level. In fact, we refer to it as, as Captain Minnie. And on the helm of the ship, you will see her in the center of the bow's filigree design. There's always this fancy little gold design on the, on the, on the helm of the ship. You can also see little tiny 
uh, Mickey's and Pluto's and Donald's and Goofy's and Pluto and so forth. But but Minnie is very clearly at the helm. Now the only so you have Cinderella beautiful in this beautiful statue. You have Minnie Mouse at the helm. The only thing that's a little funny is that this on the stern you have Rapunzel, which is um, the first female character, notwithstanding, to to grace the stern of a of, of a Disney Cruise Line ship. Previously, we've had like Goofy and Huey, Dewey, and Louie, and Dumbo and Timothy. Um, here, she, she is her hair is wrapped around everything, and she, along with uh, Pascal, are painting um, the the words to Disney Wish on the back of the of the ship. Um, there is one other little feature that not little it's a big feature that sets apart the exterior that will make it easier if you can't see this the sign disney wish from um the stern of the ship um there is one other thing that will stand out as you look at the ship exterior wise and that is what's being referred to as Disney's first attraction at the sea, it's the Aqua Mouse. Now, mind you, we've had the Aqua Duck previously. Here, the excursion company is Port Miss Adventures, and the whole theme, what they've done here is they have created a sort of dark ride inside of this um, tube, roller coaster um, tube that goes up and down. Um, we join Mickey and Minnie in scenes uh, to a new title called Scuba Scrambled. Now, this is the same kind of Mickey and Minnie that we see in the new cartoon features on Disney Plus and also in Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway. But instead of a railway, we are on board a raft. In fact, what's very cool is the raft has, um, has kind of seats toward the um, so you can kind of lean back on the seats rather than on the person behind you. So it's, I really quite like that. Um, but at any rate, they use immersive show scenes, music, lighting, special effects, um, as Disney fans glide up, down, and around the sides of the ship. The, the part where it goes over the sides of the deck that comes towards the end as opposed to the first, it's still the same length, about 760 feet. Um, and uh, it looks very exciting, kind of a very different... Uh, approach on uh, on the right so that's very cool and then uh, while we're here let's talk about all the pool and play areas because there's a lot of changes that have come into all of this there are about 10 pool and play water play areas all together um, what has traditionally been a Mickey Mouse shaped uh, pool shaped kind of like his head has been separated into five pools. There's nothing thematic about it per se that I can tell. Um, and then there was kind of um, a rectangular pool that would be the family pool toward the funnel vision. Instead, that pool has become more U-shaped and it faces toward the funnel vision and it seems to have seats around it. So it looks like you can just kind of sit in the pool and just watch the, watch the, the movies on the funnel vision. Um, so that's kind of cool. The thing I will say about the five pools is that um, it's a really frustrating thing when a child has accidentally gone um, in the pool. Because at that point, they have to take everybody out of the pool and they have to go through some kind of sanitation means, which often means they have got to empty all the water and refill it. And so for that period of time, Nobody can be in that pool. I think with these five smaller pools on the one end, it will allow guests, if, if something happens like that, they can close one of the five and still have the other four working. And I think that is a blessing to kind of keep um, all the activity going. The other thing they have is what is Toy Story Splash Zone. It basically fills that same space you see um, using Finding Nemo. And it's got different characters from Toy Story, Bo Peep, and Woody and Jesse. And and um, and uh, it's really, they're kind of reshaped, the aliens. They're reshaped as kind of um, rubber bath toys in this little um, splash area. 
Now, what's not shown right now is there was also a interactive water play area based on Huey doing Louie. We don't see that anywhere in the in the design. We do also see, however, adjoining this area, a Slidosaurus featuring Rex. It's a family slide, and it seems longer than the traditional Mickey hand slide that was on the ship. At least a little bit longer, maybe a little bit more exciting. So that is also a part of this um, this entire water play area. Now, what about um, adults? Well, you'll remember that on the top portion of the ship, and it was usually toward the rear from the water play areas, you would step up or you would head um, toward the rear of the ship and you would find a large basketball court um, with usually um, table tennis and other kinds of games that you could play. They have taken the adult section of the, um, they've taken the adult section where the pools were there and they've put this activity space in that space. So, um, which actually encloses it from what I can see. Um, and I say that's kind of important because when you're playing some of those games, if you've got a win coming in, it doesn't really work really well. So it's called Hero Zone now, and it occupies that space. So what have they done with um, the adult section? Well, that adult section now has gone to the back of the ship before it was more forward towards senses. And we'll talk about senses a little later. But that adult area has moved completely to the back of the back of the back of the ship. In fact, the pool is a zero, um, the pool is a um, infinity pool that looks out the back of the ship. Um, and it's got some jacuzzis next to it and so forth. And there is uh, a bar there. And then the Cove Cafe, which many people love for its little coffee drinks. Um, it too sits in that back area. If you remember, a lot of people, a lot of kids were passing through the adult section of the pool because they had to get to the elevators or the, to the stairwells or to something, something. And so as a result, there was a lot of cutting in and out. This makes this very adult exclusive on the backside. There's also a second tier sun deck that goes with it. I. Um, the only disappointing thing I have about this is that the pool seems more like a pool to sit and enjoy the view, which I will definitely be spending a lot of time. But I also enjoyed the pool for taking some laps. And there seems to be a kind of a divider in there where you can't really go back and forth lap-wise. So I'm a little disappointed on that. Um, accompanying showers and areas. But all said and done, this is... This is a much smarter layout. And this is the theme that I seem, I've taken from all of this, having studied it for the last 24 hours. Um, they have really thought through some things that weren't really working as well for the um, experience. By the way, there's also pools for the concierge level. And uh, there's a couple more pools with senses and I'll come uh, back to that and its location a little later on. Let's move to the kids' hangouts. And it begins with the Oceaneers Club, which has a brand new secret entrance that, co that comes off of the Grand Hall and slides down into the second floor Oceaneers Club space. Now, if you're paying attention, you know that the Oceaneers Club is usually on higher floors. The second floor space has in the larger ships been the space for the Enchanted Garden. Now this space is being occupied by a lot of the, by the Oceaneers Club. And in the, and so there's this slide going down into the Oceaneers Club on the second floor. And here, 
and also a stair a stairwell that goes on down to that floor. Of course, there are always stairwells going down to those floors, but one off of the Grand Hall specifically. At any rate, when you uh, get down there, there are three major areas to the Oceaneers Club. The first is the Marvel Superhero Academy. This is um, this is building um, on the Marvel theme, which has been done in other uh, ships, but a little bit more. I think a little fancier as as kind of a uh, an Avengers kind of hangout space. Here, kids will sling webs with Spider Man. Um, who will make appearances as well as the other superheroes and the kids will also choose uh, their own hero's suit and put it to the test now in the video that looks like you're actually getting a real vest I think this is more like the um, interactive feature that was um, was it I want to say it was at Shanghai Disney where you would actually be able to um, see a virtual image of yourself with uh, a virtual Iron Man suit. I think that's what's going on here, but maybe, I don't know, maybe they got something new and special going on. What I, we also, and the slinging webs thing, that sounds a lot like the new Spider-Man attraction going in to um, um, Disney California Adventure um, with that um, Marvel campus. Um, opening up this June. So at any rate, a lot of fun things going on with Marvel. Then the second component is Fairytale Hall. Here there are three little sections to it. Um, you can do crafts or paint or do floating lanterns at Rapunzel's Art Studio. You can act out your favorite stories in Belle's Library. And you get to kind of create your own ice magic in Anna and Elsa's uh, summer, summer house. So that's what goes on with that. And then the third component, there was always um, an Oceaneers lab. They've taken that section and retitled it as Walt Disney Imagineering Lab. And here kids are going to be able to, for instance, create their own roller coaster and then ride it in a sort of simulator um, to like themes of Big Thunder or Space Mountain. And, um, and then there are other components they get to design and work on. So that is what will become the Walt Disney. And trust me, I will want to be here on open house days to check this part out. So that's what's coming to the Oceaneer Club. Then you have um, a small world nursery nearby, by the way, um, for kids six to three. Um, but let's talk about the vibe and the edge. The Vibe used to sit on a lower level and occupied the very, very front of the ship. There was a little pool toward the front and they had their own little pool and deck area. And this was for kids 14, 14 to 17. This space is now on upstairs, much higher on deck 13 and is adjacent to that hero zone that I talked about, which is essentially the basketball court and all those activities. So they're taking advantage of being adjacent to that space. Um, although they've designed the space um, to being something like a cozy Parisian loft uh, with lavish pop art. Um, so that's the vibe. The edge would take up the funnel, one of the funnels, and that was for um, kids 11 to 14, tweens. And this is now um, on deck five downstairs. And it has kind of this colorful New York City inspired hangout. So it's in a different um, uh, place as well. Now I'll talk about what's going in into that front um, nose of the ship and what's going into the funnel a little later. Um, meanwhile, let's talk about entertainment. True to all the ships, there is a grand theater, and I think this one is beautiful and elegant. Uh, it's two floors, and it's themed to a magical f uh, forest. Um, 
which is based on these, and it's all done in a lot of green and golds, kind of the fantastical floral worlds of the animated classic of Fantasia. And so that becomes kind of the setting for this. As for shows, this is where it got a little bit on the side of disappointing. There are two new original shows, um, and that sounds great. They just haven't described them or named them or told us anything about them. So we're going to have to wait a little further on that. Okay, um, I'll forgive them because um, they really did share a lot of details on this thing. But So I can wait a little longer on those two. But the one they did share was that Disney's Aladdin would be moving in. Now, I like the Aladdin show. I will go see the Aladdin show. But having seen the Aladdin show on the other ships several times, and by the way, they said they would reimagine it, add some add some additional um, magic to it, I guess. Um, but having seen it a couple of times there, and then also the very, very, very long run it had at the Hyperion Theater at Disney's California Adventure, I've just kind of, I'm ready for something different than Disney's Aladdin. But notwithstanding, um, that's those are the two shows. There are some um, other entertainment venues for cruising. We talked about that Hero Zone, the, the, the play area, which I think is going to be more themed out. Um, I don't think it's going to be quite just simply a basketball court, but there are two other areas in the Grand Hall, which is again, the, what was been the main um, uh, atrium. They're going to place a stage, a much more formal stage. Now, Mickey and Friends and others, princesses have always done these kind of um, theatrical little shows or Kiss Goodnight or whatever kind of things in the, in the Grand Hall. This has been much more formalized. The difference is, is that guests are going to be facing the opposite direction toward what has traditionally been the glass elevators. Not sure we got glass elevators, but what we do have is a very formal stage. And uh, it looks, um, it, it is more dedicated for um, short theatrical shows where everybody will be standing in that atrium area. You'll also remember there was the D Lounge. Um, that has that space seems to have been rethemed into what is referred to as Luna, and this is a new entertainment venue. Um, which, if you remember Luna, it's the Pixar short where the child is raking stars um, up up in the sky, and uh, this appears to have two stories to this venue. And, um, and it seems to kind of be offering um, family fun during the day, but more elegant entertainment at night. Um, and, I, and, and I'm afraid using their words, and I say that because I think this is becoming more of an adult entertainment venue in the evening, as opposed to a place to do game shows. Uh, that's what I'm thinking is coming out of this space. There's also um, one other big feature uh, for entertainment, and that is, of course, the cinema where you used to go watch all the movies. And I love this space, but what they've done here is create, provided not one, but two cinemas in, in kind of the same location, but in two smaller spaces. I think that's brilliant. Because now you'll be able to, you know, one movie will start while one movie's playing and then, it, you know, it'll end and then start another one. It, there will be more movies and more options. And frankly, in that larger cinema space, there was a lot of empty seats. So I think this will actually provide more options to guests. Moreover, um, they are themed and named as Wonderland Cinema after Alice in Wonderland and Neverland Cinema after Peter Pan. So I love um, that they're uh, theming not only the cinemas, but also the theater with its Fantasia theme. I, I just love a lot of touches, like the D-Lounge is now Luna. There's a lot more Disney touches as Disney touched as, as the cruise line was already. 
but it really is very impressive. Um, let's talk about the staterooms. The staterooms, again, were spaces that had were more handsome, more masculine in tone. I like that look and feel, but they have decidedly taken a very different look here that is much more bright, much more um, feminine in tone. The staterooms, by and large, all the rooms, all the staterooms, um, have, uh, and suites, um, all of them have uh, a princess theme to it. Largely, the Cinderella theme is carried out in the standard staterooms, the verandas, the in interior room, the porthole rooms. Um, what you don't seem to see anymore is an interior porthole. I could be wrong on that because um, against the back of the bed is more of a traditional square space. Is it a picture or is it a monitor? Could there be magical things happening in the back of it? I don't know. I will say as, as much as I like the darker, uh, more colorful themes of the other ships, I have to say this is much brighter and lighter. And when you're in those interior spaces, you kind of need a little bit more of that. Um, split bathrooms, as has always been the case with staterooms on board the ships. Um, the bunk bed uh, looks up into a kind of a stars that form the fairy godmother and a wand and uh, statements like wish and dream. Uh, it's all very lovely, very elegant, very well appointed. You get to the concierge staterooms. They have a little mermaid theme. Um, there are seven of those and they look out toward uh, the sea um, and they offer a very premium level of service attached with those. And then you have the royal suites. These are first class amenities it is themed to Sleeping Beauty. Um, there are four royal suites, but two of them are two level suites with a spiral staircase and stained glass work of art, all themed to Sleeping Beauty. Um, a lot of white on white, a lot of gold trim, a lot of very, very soft blues throughout. It's very elegant very um, well designed suggests a higher price point to me when you're sailing on the ship um, definitely these are going to be very popular um, as they come out now let's get to my favorite part cuisine and boy are there changes uh, traditionally there has been the three major restaurants which has had a um, uh, a royal uh, princess theme. There has been the animator's palace palette, and there has been a enchanted garden downstairs. What is interesting is, first of all, I have to say all three of these dining venues are on a different level of the ship. And I think that's, and they all stem off of the main floor of the Royal Hall and the two floors above it third, fourth, and fifth. And I think this is very smart because sometimes it got really confusing as two of the restaurants, if the two restaurants were combined on the same level, they were just, there was a lot of confusion in that. So, um, and, and piling up in that type of thing. So the first uh, new restaurant is Arendelle, a frozen dining adventure that, no, this does not include frozen food. Um, but it is a frozen theatrical dining experience. Um, it does include cuisine with Nordic influences. Queen Anna and Kristoff are celebrating their engagement and they've invited you, their honored guests, to join them. Elsa and Olaf also come in um, as you devour hearty Norwegian-inspired cuisine made by Oaken himself. It's a dinner worth melting for and it is on uh, the 5th floor. And I should mention, um, this is very comparable to the 
uh, Princess Tiana uh, dining experience, which I had on the Wonder, and that was a terrific experience. They put the stage a little cent more of a center stage type design as opposed to on one end, but I think that will help people to better see the space. Um, and I, it just looks like um, a very prominent, of course, you know, Norwegian Akershus was never that popular for its Norwegian inspired cuisine. Maybe they're adding uh, school bread and um, some pretzels with uh, almonds on them or some of the things from the bakery, which was very popular. But notwithstanding, um, that is the first of the restaurants. The second I'll describe is Worlds of Marvel. This is an interactive role play Marvel Cinematic Dining Adventure. This is kind of taking over that, um, and it's on deck four, it's kind of taking over that animator's palette space. Um, here you explore state-of-the-art tech at Avengers Technology Showcase while indulging in flavorful global cuisines, all classic, uh, all fair American, all American fair to rich African flavors inspired by some of your favorite heroes. And during dinner, leap into your own action-packed superhero story where an Avenger or two might turn out to save the, help save the day. This is set for deck four. They only show you an image of the entrance to the restaurant. And it says tonight's dinner presentation uh, provided by PIM Technologies. There's a PIM restaurant going into Disney California Adventure into the Marvel campus there. And I think, um, and that some of the food is kind of fun because it's oversized or whatever. I don't know if they're doing the same thing here, but it does kind of look um, like it might be a lot of fun. And it's so very different than the animator's palette. I love the look and feel of animator's palette because it's very Disney style. But the interactive activities with the two larger ships, uh, the Nemo um, or Finding Crush, didn't do it for me. I, I have that at Epcot. So that was always disappointing to me. I think this is very new, very different, very, very cool. Then we have the final restaurant, which comes off of the Grand Hall, but is totally different. Instead of a princess themed, this is called 1923. It's based on the year where Walt Disney started shop as the Walt Disney Studios in California. And this has, uh, this is kind of like the Brown Derby um, meets um, um, the Carthay Circle Theater meets um, Animator's Palette. It just, but it's much more formal. Um, a lot of wood, a lot of masculine tones in this uh, particular setting. Um, there are storyboards, sketches, and props that illustrate the early animation process. Um, while del delighting in some of the tantalizing flavors found through the Golden State. Oh, I know. I was going to say it was um, uh, the uh, uh, restaurant on top of the Contemporary um, meeting the California restaurant. Oh, my gosh, I can't come up with the title right now. Meeting the Brown Derby, meeting um, the uh, Carthay Circle Theater. No, notwithstanding, it's just a beautiful uh, restaurant and I really like the look and feel and I think this is probably going to be my favorite place uh, moving forward. Let's talk about the restaurants on the very top. You've had traditionally the Palo and the Remy and a kind of world traveler uh, lounge. All three of these restaurants have now taken on a Beauty and the Beast sort of theme. It's a suite of three dining spaces. They're on the 12th floor. They're facing the rear of the ship as they have before um, and includes first now the lounge which is called the Rose Lounge. Sip a cocktail amid antique mirrors and floating rose petals um, in a lounge reminiscent of the Enchanted Castle from Beauty and the Beast. 
Then you have the traditional Palace Steakhouse, but this has been reimagined with decor inspired by Cogsworth. Um, this offers a selection of premium steaks and exquisite Italian dishes. Next, we have Enchante. This is an opulent, adults-only restaurant inspired by Lumiere from Beauty and the Bees with innovative international cuisine crafted by three Michelin star chef, Arnaud Lalamente, who has also done the Remy restaurants. Uh, again, all of these beautiful, elegant spaces, all of them very kind of tied together. There's much more of a tie. You don't have the traditional Italian themes that you saw in Palo before. You have much more of golds and woods. Again, actually, these are more masculine spaces. Um, the, the other one that was also announced that I think is very interesting is what's known as the Star Wars Hyperspace Lounge. This is a luxury spaceship with galactic views looking out. You know how you, in one of the lounges, you look out at different cityscapes. This is um, offering galactic views. Watch worlds drift by at this stylish space bar, boasting stellar views. Um, what's cool about it, I think, is that families are invited to experience this watering hole during the day, but at night the lounge jumps to light speed and becomes a haven for adults only, offering interactive tasting experiences and signature beverages. I just really like this space. It is more off of the Grand Hall um, remember there was always kind of a, a bar right there off of the grant, off of the atrium. This takes that space, but seems to enclose it. Um, it is a very different space, but if you did miss Olga's Cantina, you now have this space, which looks like something that was more a part of the, um, the dining, uh, space in, uh, Solo. Now, what was there are a couple of things that were not mentioned, yet to be mentioned. One is infamous cabanas. We don't know what it's going to be called. We don't know how it might be themed. It does seem, and we don't know necessarily that it's going to be a buffet-styled experience. We do know that it will occupy the back, um, the same space on the back side of the ship. So that much we do know, um, and it'll have indoor and outdoor spaces. Um, um, so, and there also seems to be some perhaps counter cafes uh, adjacent toward the pool. You remember that there's been a very um, dedicated ice cream, formal ice cream parlor, one based on Wreck-It Ralph, um, Penelope's, and also one based on the Mickey and Minnie shorts. There seems to be some space dedicated for that, but they haven't defined that. They also haven't defined the casual outside counter service yet. Um, they do mention a Wheezy's Freezy's next to the Toy Story Splash Zone, but they haven't really described anything else. So, so that gives you an idea of the, so more to come, that's cool. We welcome more to come. But I have to say, I was very impressed. I really thought they were going to offer very little detail. And yes, there are more things to mention. Let me just tell you some of the things that were not talked about in the video, but I, either I could assess or we've yet to, to know for sure. The census spa and the census exercise uh, room, they've been moved from a top floor down to the fifth floor where Vibe once was and now they occupy they own that outdoor space on the front nose of the ship and has two small pools as part of that census spa experience so that's in a very different location the downside of that is i liked how the the that space was adjacent to the adult pools but now it is it's just really its own space in and of itself down below the adult clubs. There's really no mention of the adult clubs, though they have mentioned this Luna space being an adult space at night. They've mentioned the Star Wars Hyperspace Lounge being an adult space at night. So you sense that, um, you sense, well, there are definitely um, adult clubs, but um, 
Worlds of Marvel seems to be occupying more of that space um, that was where the adult club, that, that on the fifth floor, remember, that was also the space where you kind of walk around the outside um, and um, area of the decks. That, what, what is happening to the adult clubs, we don't know. What, I, what we do know is that the funnel space that was dedicated um, for the edge on 14 and 15 are still available. And I think probably an adult club is going there. I think adult clubs are, I don't think there's going to be a big combination of clubs. Rather, they're going to be some very exquisite spaces spread out throughout um, the space. And I don't think that's a big issue because honestly, I found that whole adult space to be not just underutilized during the day, it was way under, it was underutilized at night. It really didn't have a lot of people in it. So I think they're kind of reallocating that space while still providing some signature, really nice spaces. Bibbidi Boppity Boutique. This is a location yet to be specified. Um, the Satellite Falls thing, that probably is not happening. I don't see any of that. Elevators. There's always been three sets of elevators. It looks, and it, I may confuse this with the stairwells, but it looks to me like there are three, or I mean, sorry, there are two sets of elevators, and they're at about a third and a third point in the design of, but what is happening is it also looks like there are 16 elevators rather than the 14, I believe, or the, yeah, the, that was previous so there's actually more elevators and less that's what i'm gleaning don't hold me to it um we don't know anything about um pirate night or fireworks uh there is actually a different show on every on every cruise ship that is pirate themed not sure if they're extending that maybe they're taking a different theme yet to see what's going to happen there um, Lighthouse Point. This is the new Castaway Key area in the Bahamas. Earlier podcasts, I've noted that an environmental impact study had been completed and submitted. My guess is construction will start sometime later this year, but an opening date has yet to be announced. Um, what we do know is while we don't know the dates of sailings per se, we know they begin summer of 22. We do know that early booking for Castaway Club members and select Disney guests begin May 17th of 2021 and booking to the general public begins excuse me general booking um, booking to the general public begins on May 27th 2021 according to David Zanola he has said that the first three days are dedicated to platinum and in fact, the inaugural cruise, it may just be very difficult to get on that inaugural cruise um, without um, being platinum. I think it is really much of that cruise is going to be, which is apparently a five night, is, is going to um, happen... Um, it's going to be uh, given to platinum guests first, and they're probably going to take the majority of the bookings. That all that said and done, um, and by the way, what I should say is that I recorded this podcast, ah, uh, gee, a little less than twelve hours ago with David Zanola. We had talked for a month about getting together to record this podcast, and for whatever reason, the recording did not take. And so I'm re-recording it the next morning. And I apologize to David because he had given generously of his time. And he offered some great insights as well. Um, so I, I feel badly that uh, I don't have the benefit of bringing David here. But I will tell you this. If you're booking this thing, you need to go through David. Um, I don't take... I don't, David is the owner and agent of Out the Door Travel. Um, they are um, my unofficially official travel agent. I say that because they do not pay for a sponsorship. 
David has freely, he and his family have given up their time to help my podcast. I, in return, want to set him up for success. But let me tell you, if I'm booking a cruise, and I am booking a cruise on this ship, may not be part of the inaugural because I'm only gold, but if I'm booking a cruise, I'm booking with David. And, and if you're booking a cruise, you need to get with David. The link is on our website and he's already started a list of people who are wanting to book. So you definitely want to get yourself um, uh, booked, especially because, and hopefully maybe I can bring David in for another podcast because there have been a lot of changes in the last few days relative to the CDC changing guidelines as to when it, um, it changing its guidelines as to when it, uh, um, when cruises can start, which could conceivably happen as early as mid-July. David's tentative on whether that's really going to happen. Disney has been more reserved in getting out the gate. But it does look like cruises are around the corner, considering we are a day away from May. And, and definitely you want to get with David if you're going to get on a cruise whether it's the wonder, the magic, the dream, the fantasy, or the brand new Disney wish. Hey, well, thank you for joining us for this podcast. Uh, we appreciate you being with us. Remember, always follow the compass of your heart wherever you are, wherever you set sail. Have a great day. We'll see you real soon.